Welcome to Meat and Livestock Australia's On the Ground podcast with the very latest insights on all factors influencing the Australian red meat and global trade. I'm your host Josh Anderson and together with MLA's team of experts we'll be bringing you up to speed with what's happening across Australia's red meat markets. This week we cross over to Tokyo where we're joined by our regional manager for Japan and Korea Scott Walker. We're going to discuss the lift in the state of emergency over in the Japan market and whether consumers are flooding back to food service and also discuss the safeguards in Korea, but first, here's the news with Amy Drew. Thanks, Josh. Here's the latest from our team on the ground. Well, as of November 4, 2021, Australia has utilised 95.75% of its preferential beef safeguard into Korea, with just 7,546 tonnes shipped weight remaining. Under the Korea-Australia Free Trade Agreement, Australia can export almost 177,000 tonnes of beef to Korea in 2021 at an 18.6% duty. After the safeguard is triggered, the duty on Australian beef will jump to 30% for the rest of the calendar year. While the safeguard has incrementally increased since CAFTA entered the force and will be entirely phased out in 2029, it has been triggered each year since the agreement's inception. Products shipped prior to the point of the safeguard trigger, but which has yet to clear customs, will be allowed to enter at the lower tariff rate, although the excess tonnage will be subtracted from the 2022 safeguard volume. The safeguard was triggered on the 25th of November in 2020, but trade volumes may breach that threshold sooner this year, possibly within one to two weeks. Recent daily customs clearance volumes have been sporadic due to freight disruption and resurgent demand, making estimating a trigger date pretty difficult. While Australian beef shipments have been constrained by tighter slaughter cattle supplies amid a herd rebuild, export volumes to Korea have been strong. As a consequence of the safeguard tariff increase, Australian beef exports will be further disadvantaged compared to US product entering under the US-Korea free trade agreement with the tariff differential increasing from 5.3%. From the 1st of January 2022, the tariff applicable to Australian beef exported to Korea will drop to 16.1% and the safeguard will increase to over 180,000 tonnes. And lastly, according to Meat and Livestock Australia's latest Australian cattle industry predictions, above average rainfall is predicted for all major cattle regions over the next three Three months, with pasture expected to surge and strengthen the national herd rebuild into 2022. Carcass weights are also expected to reach record levels to 308 kilos, and export demand, especially to Japan and Korea, is expected to remain strong. That's it for now. We'll catch you next time for more from our team on the ground. So this week I'm joined by regional manager for Japan and Korea, Scott Walker. Scott, welcome back. Thanks for having me again. It's been a little while. Yeah, but I've got to say that you'd, I was going to say one of our favourites on the podcast. You definitely are one of our favourites, but you're also one of our most regular uh, interviews, I think. Well, I aim to be the most regular, but you're far too kind on the favourite <laughs> thing. I think you've got some pretty good guests on here. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's because everyone's so interested in Japan and Korea or whether you just give a great interview, mate. I love that they're interested in Japan and Korea, and I hope that that's the reason. <laughs> Excellent. So um, Definitely not my voice. I, I can I can tell tell by your voice that there seems to be a spring in your step if that if that's possible from telling from your voice but um, you guys are out of state <laughs> of emergency uh, in Japan now so tell us is Correct. food service back 
to where it was? Uh, people just out dining all the time now that they've saved all their money to, to spend on food or what's the situation? Yeah, you're right. And for those that don't know, the state of emergency is has been lifted in Japan. And what that really means is that we, we don't have any restrictions on the time that we can eat out uh, and the time that restaurants can serve alcohol. So they were previously limiting it to eight o'clock last order at seven and and you weren't you weren't able to buy alcohol in in really any any uh, restaurants at least for the ones that were following the rules so now that has lifted uh, they have put one cap on on food service and that is four people dining at a time but they're looking at um, easing those restrictions further and in fact there was a, a conversation recently about allowing full capacity at stadiums which is which is quite interesting but we haven't had this tsunami of, of demand coming into the food service sector just yet. There's cautious, um, there's cautious optimism. You do see more people on the street. There's more people on the trains, but there isn't quite that same level of corporate function. They're, they're, you know, they're still a little bit nervous. You might find that family restaurants do pretty well. Quick service restaurants are, are, still, are still doing a roaring trade, but those smaller you know, izakaya and yakiniku venues aren't quite as busy as you would have expected for um, a big city that's been locked down for, for, for some time. However, it is positive. You do see more people when you're out. So I think that as time goes by, and we, we're on a really long run of really low numbers uh, for COVID. So that will give people the confidence to be able to go out and, uh, a little bit more. So I'm, 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 optimistic yeah i think um you know there was there was the prediction across a lot of markets that the the roaring roaring 20s would recommence and i remember when we caught up with Catherine gold in the u.s i was like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna enter into a phase of everyone's out and about but there does still seem to be that concern that health concern that that's coming through do you think you know if you had the crystal ball and i know you don't but 2022 you know midway through the year so long as cases stay the same do you think that it's kind of going to be moving to the back of consumers minds it's hard to say i i think to some degree it will but you know what's interesting for us is that there isn't a lot of there isn't a lot of uh, media about opening the borders and bringing in uh, international tourists. The focus, really, of the politicians in the country is to provide a safe environment for the the Japanese consumer, and that's that's why I think um, they'll become more comfortable. And particularly if the authorities are saying, "Well, look, we're we're overcoming this. You know, we're we're starting all our booster shots." Actually, the number of vaccinated uh, people in uh, Japan, I think, is over seventy five percent now, which is huge for. Wow. A country that actually really started that quite late, um, so they've they've all generally got on board. So I think once once they you know start to open up the stadiums, once the, once the authorities say it's okay to go about your business, we're living with COVID now. I think that's when you'll see the rift. And so on the flip side, you know, we've we've discussed retail in the past, but I'm assuming, you know, in the in the absence of a fully fledged, fully operating food service market at capacity, retail still bubbling along pretty well, especially on the lamb side. Yeah, we're seeing we're seeing quite a lot of interest in lamb. Uh, people have had a chance to get comfortable cooking at home. They're you know they're being a little bit more experienced, and so now they're being experiment experiential. You know, so lamb is seen as uh, something a little bit new. Uh, something a little bit more trendy. Um, I the other day actually we held a uh, a lamb festival at uh, Nakano Central Park, and it was just as uh, it was just as those restrictions were easing. Uh, 
um, what we do is we bring in six of our ambassadors, you know, our educated ambassadors um, who are advocates for Australian lamb across the country. We brought six of these six of these experts in. They developed uh, a number of curries because it's it is also getting into that weather. It's it's starting to get a bit cold, and um, people were lining up around the block. There was a hundred people wow. before we'd even opened. We sold out before lunchtime. And I was sort of criticizing the team i was saying come on guys you know if we're going to be able to sell that sell that much we should make more but they're like no no it's the exclusivity that will bring ah, them back of course <laughs> i love it i love those ambassadors too they've you know a, a, a real success story in the programs i don't know if i've plugged it in the past but i'm going to plug it again um you know uh some some top top level sort of japanese influencer chefs that we bought to australia learn about uh, the production system, learn about what lamb means to Australian and take Australia and taking it back uh, to Japan. They just seem to do a wonderful job year on year. You know, they absolutely do. And they're in a number of different areas. You know, you've got your retail focused people. There's, there's caterers, there's, um, there's uh, hoteliers, there, there are, uh, you know, bespoke restaurant, bespoke lamb restaurant um, providers. And all of them, you know, all of them are doing well. And they've actually done, you know, quite well uh, through, throughout the pandemic. And, and at first, it wasn't easy for, for a number of them, especially in provincial cities. Uh, but their promotions and their innovation and their creativity and, and when it comes down to it, their passion for Australian lamb is, you know, is unquestionable. It, it, it's really it gives me a lot of energy. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. If anyone wants to check it out, go on to lambassador.jp, uh, a great website to see what the Lambassadors are up to uh, in Japan. Or follow us on Insta. That's a that's a great one too. Yeah, Great, but let's yeah. not forget Insta. This is a podcast, for goodness sake. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, what about what about competitors? Dun, dun, dun. Let's talk about competitors for a minute. Yep. Um, what are they up to in the market? We haven't had a bit of a competitor watch for a while. Are they out there with their campaigns are they winning losing are they expensive hopefully well we are watching them so so don't worry about that and if anybody wants an update anytime um look japan is interesting because you know the 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 whole bsc issues of the past are completely gone and now we're now it's all about winning hearts and minds and there are more and more uh, entrants into the market after you know when uh, when different trade deals are signed. So you're seeing Canada, Mexico, even Poland as quite quite aggressive players. They might not have the budget of the big guys like Australia and the US, uh, but they're but they're definitely starting to make their mark. And we we tend to you know one of our one of our main priorities in market is to increase physical availability uh, as you know josh in now in our retail environments but um as we've got more expensive and supplies come a little bit tighter we have we have seen in some retail spaces that you know some of these some of these smaller competitors have been popping up us us uh, become a bit more prominent when they are a bit cheaper um but I think that I think that their price has sort of been stabilizing a little bit, and they're. I hear I hear conflicting information about pricing. Honestly, sometimes it's more expensive, sometimes it's not. But you know, we we've got a pretty even share of the market at the moment. They're very aggressive, and so are the Canadians. You don't see so much Mexican, but you see you're starting to see more advertising from the Canadians, a lot of advertising from the US, but it's generally in consumer prize campaigns and things like that. Whereas uh, a true Aussie beef campaign in Japan is 
far more integrated and far more diverse. We also might u- utilize things like TV. We've had our Aussie Beef Clubhouse. So we, we, try to, we try to advertise in spaces that they're not. But I would characterize the environment ultimately as aggressive. None of us are really competing directly with, uh, with the local Japanese Wagyu. We're, we're all generally complementary. We have to win hearts and minds. Yeah, great to hear you guys doing such a good job over there too. Let's let's flick over and have a bit of a chat quickly about Korea. I guess the big news is the safeguard ticking along over there, getting quite close to triggering. Um, mm-hmm. Where's that up to at the moment? Yeah, we think that we'll hit the safeguard in the next day or so, really. Um, there's only about just over a 1,000 tonnes uh, in the quota left. And, um, you know, what that's going to mean, uh, and, and, you know, I understand that you discussed that in the news section, it's, is the tariff will move from 18.6% to 30%. But, you know, on the tariff front, it's, there are some positive news in that from the 1st of January uh, next year, the tariff will, will reduce to 16%. So that's great news. Uh, for Australia, so we'll, uh, you know, I think we've had a we've had a good year. Um, we've hit it slightly earlier than we did last year, um, and uh, and and we'll have a reduction, a further reduction in the new year. Yeah, it's certainly something that exporters have, have learned to to live with. But if you want more information, make sure uh, that you reach out to Scott uh, or Charlie Co in Korea, and they can give you the latest on up to date. I, I guess the the other positive is that. It goes up to 180,000 tonnes next year, which is great. So um, just reinforce to exporters, please contact us if you want to have a discussion about it. More than happy to have a chat about it um, for the latest info. The teams over there are starting to look at their major campaign called the Cook Cook campaign. We talked about this last year. Tell us yep. more about it. Yeah, so this is the the second major uh, Cook Cook campaign activation, and it actually started a couple of days ago. It runs for the next six weeks. So we picked this timing a little bit linked to the tariff, but we wanted to make sure that there was still consistent demand in the market at a time when things start to start to quieten off. Um, we've gone with the cook cook concept still because there is a couple of there's a couple of you know key attributes of ordering online that we uh, that we wanted to improve. One of those is customer ratings. So we're getting a lot of five star ratings, but you know if somebody cooks it incorrectly or it doesn't get delivered on time, sometimes our customer ratings take a hit. So we wanted to highlight um, the story that our customers are telling, uh, so that it's not necessarily us saying we're great. It's other customers saying we're great. And that's one aspect of this, this uh, new creative. And the second one is freshness. Korea, Korea and, you know, to some extent Japan too, you know, they're so onto it when it comes to delivery, you know, delivery within two hours, delivery next day, delivery on that day. You know, freshness is almost assured. But there's, you know, especially in the older generation, a little bit of a distrust because they're used to going and getting the freshest thing at the butcher or the freshest thing at the supermarket. And we're saying that you can do that online. So we wanted to dial up that messaging as well. So I'll run for the next six weeks and it connects to online retailers. So as a customer gets, a customer sees the advertising, whether it's digital or, uh, well, it's mostly digital actually. When they see our digital advertising, they can click through to one of our online retailers there's a landing platform and they can purchase straight away. So we're removing any barriers to purchase. We're getting them there as quickly as possible. We're showing them an amazing Australian beef product and then hopefully they convert. Excellent. That sounds fantastic. And lastly, while we're on Korea, I thought we'd, we'd, we'd finish with a fact or fiction for Korea. 
So Hanu is probably the most desired gift giving, uh, apart from Australian beef, of course, in the Chuseok uh, giving period. However, spam is starting to make a bit of a uh, resurgence. Is that fact or is it fiction? Yeah, I think we all know that the gift giving culture in Korea is a very massive business and, you know, it's nationwide. There are a lot of practical gifts, but it, there's a lot of prestige in giving, a, a you know, an amazing meat tray of Hanu or high-quality Australian beef. In fact, I know that one of the CEOs of one of the most powerful companies in Korea, she routinely gives uh, Wagyu, Australian Wagyu, Ooh. to her to other CEOs. So I, I really like I really like that. But spam and you know some of those periphery products, they also have their place. And they are kind of popular. So, I I've never, I've never received one myself, but uh, you know, between six six cans of spam or ten ten tubes of toothpaste. Uh, maybe four liters of shampoo. I think the spam is probably okay. <laughs> Save the uh, spam for the in-laws. I hope they don't listen to this podcast. Uh, but there we go. Um, <laughs> actually, if you ever, just on a side note, if you ever get a chance to read the story about spam, it is a fascinating story, and actually one that will will blow your mind uh, in terms of how they got that shelf uh, stability and things like that. Amazing, Scott Walker. Great to chat again. You are a favorite on the podcast. Thanks for your time. You're too kind. Thanks very much, Josh. Great to be here. Well, I hope you'll agree that that was very informative from Scott Walker talking about our two larger beef markets. As always, all of the information featured on the MLA On The Ground podcast can be found on the MLA website, mla.com.au. Also, make sure you never miss an episode of the On The Ground podcast. You can kick yourself if you did by subscribing where you get your podcast. I'm your host, Josh Anderson, and look forward to talking to you in a fortnight. <laughs>